hello, uh, everyone listening. Um, hey, Ro. Hey. Hey, uh, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Um, yeah, so we're just going to go through some formalities, uh, talk about the structure a bit, uh, and uh, kind of begin. So, uh, you know, I want to kind of welcome everyone to our first space uh, with a sitting uh, politician, uh, House Representative Ro Khanna. Uh, I'm Unusual Wales, and we're super happy to discuss uh, the political climate, PACs, uh, and stock trading. Nicholas, uh, the man in the Spider-Man uh, picture, will be conducting the discussion today. Uh, so let's begin. Great. I didn't realize I was your first politician. I'll try not to mess it up. Oh, I think you're going to be fine, Ro. <laughs> All right, everybody. So super excited to have this first of its kind space with Representative Ro Khanna. We have a set of questions and kind of hope for a nice, fluid conversation. Now, Ro, one question real quick, if you could please mute your mic when we're asking the questions themselves, just so we can avoid any kind of feedback here. Okay, so I'll mute it now. Perfect. Thank you so much. So now, if anybody in the audience has questions throughout this discussion, please feel free to DM me or Unusual Whales here on Twitter so we can ask them to the congressman here. Now, without further ado, let me introduce our guest. As you all have heard so far, we've got Congressman Ro Khanna, a Democratic California representative since 2017, a lawyer from Yale and politician who's previously pushed for an Internet Bill of Rights. Welcome, Congressman Rowe. Anything you want to add here before we jump into the question? Thank you. No, I'm excited uh, to do this. I appreciate uh, a lot of your tweets and uh, follow you, as do more members of Congress than may admit. And so I'm excited to have the conversation. Excited to have you, Rowe. Thank you so much. So we can go ahead and dive right in here. I want to start off on a topic that's pretty hot and something you've discussed quite a Bit. Uh, so, Representative Khanna, you've been kind of at the forefront of the mission of taking no money from PACs. Can you explain to those in the audience today what a PAC is and why you take no money from those PACs? Political Action Committee basically gets to aggregate money on behalf of a special interest, and it overrides the voice of people and voters. So I haven't taken a dime of PAC money since the beginning of my political career, since actually 2004 when I ran a protest campaign against the Iraq war. I never set up a leadership PAC. I don't believe in them. And I introduced a no PAC act to basically say that uh, members of Congress should be banned from uh, taking any PAC money. Uh, and this would uh, help restore uh, the idea that only individuals can support candidates. Perfect. Thank you, Rose. So one other thing I wanted to touch on here, there's a lot of discussion of dark money in politics. For example, in 2022, a donor secretly transferred $1.6 billion to the Republican political group. However, of interest here, Democrats have actually used PACs more than Republicans, despite these claims of dark money. Ro, could you kind of explain a bit here how dark money is involved in politics? Usually an individual is 
limited to contribute uh, $3,300 to a campaign. But if you uh, support a super PAC or an independent group, those limits don't apply because of Citizens United. So people spend literally millions or in some case billions of dollars uh, to prop up their candidate uh, or to prop up uh, their cause. And uh, it's a total distortion uh, of our process. And they often are uh, for causes that uh, are against the popular will. So you'll have people on, it, it, going on TV against Medicare for all or against prescription drug reform. Uh, now, the reason the Democrats also have them is because unilateral disarmament would mean we'd lose almost every major Senate seat in a battleground state. And so uh, the Democrats support getting rid of Citizens United. That would outlaw all of them. But you can't have unilateral disarmament against uh, Republicans in these battleground states if one side uh, is taking them. And the Republicans have set up a lot of infrastructure, the Koch brothers and others, uh, and uh, talk radio. Uh, so while the Democrats may have more spending, they're up against a huge Republican uh, infrastructure. But my view is let's get rid of all of it uh, through ending Citizens United. Thank you, Ro. So last on no PACs here. In the last election cycle, Unusual Whales discussed how PACs give too numerous politicians. Uh, I'll post a tweet about that up in the nest here for those listening here in a moment. Uh, for example, Asif received millions, as did Purdue. Now, Ro, for you, how can the PAC process change so we can better track these donations? Or should it be dissolved completely? Will you personally propose more legislation against PACs? Well, I have the No PAC Act, which would dissolve them. It would make them illegal. And more politicians can take the pledge I have done, which is just to say no to all PACs, the leadership PACs, PACs of all kinds. Some people say no to corporate PACs, but they take other PACs. I just think let's ban all of the, uh, the PAC money. The, the challenge is to, to do that, we also need to help facilitate more uh, individual contributions. I mean, in candor, I come from a district that's wealthy in Silicon Valley. It's easier to get individuals to contribute. If people who are not in those uh, wealthier districts, it's harder. Uh, and so we have to facilitate uh, making every uh, voter also having the ability to contribute. And that's why I propose democracy dollars, where every voter can get uh, $50 from the federal government to help support campaigns and uh, we can diminish the role uh, of PACs. But uh, my No PAC Act would get rid of uh, uh, all of PACs uh, from, from Congress or the Senate. So, Ro, in your opinion, what is Congress's pulse on PACs? I highly doubt they'd be favored for democracy dollars. So I'm, I'm wondering kind of how you, how you feel about the reception of that. How I feel about democracy dollars or PACs or uh, what was the question? I missed the beginning. About about that push for no PACs. I'm curious how yeah. you feel Congress feels about that. Well, I think there's more pressure uh, now that, uh, that 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 Congress should do something. Uh, but, you know, it's lazy in some ways. PAC money is easy to raise. You go to a breakfast in Washington. Every lobbyist is there. They all have $5,000, $10,000 PAC checks. You don't have to do anything. Uh, and it's easy. And a typical member of Congress can raise about a million dollars without much work just from PACs. But if you ban it, 
uh, you're going to force members of Congress to be more creative in how they have to fundraise. Obviously, you have to fundraise still to be in Congress. You still you have to have mailers or get your message out on TV. That's the reality. Uh, but you can raise money now online. Bernie Sanders showed that. You can uh, help do things that are grassroots. So I view uh, a No Pact Act as something that would reform the institution. But unfortunately, very few people are on it. It will take mobilization uh, from uh, groups like yours and activists, citizen activists, to really demand that members of Congress stop taking uh, PAC money. Thank you, Rose. So kind of speaking a bit more here about people saying Congress should do something and how Congress sh should quote unquote fundraise, Recently, Abigail Spanberger and the Republican Chip Roy reintroduced the Trust Act in Congress on January 2023. Their legislation bans members of Congress and their spouses from trading individual stocks, something I'm sure you're aware Unusual Wales is very uh, keen to follow up on. How important is this for politicians moving forward, in your opinion? It's very important. I was proud to co-sponsor the legislation last Congress. I an early co-sponsor this Congress. I think Abigail Spanberger and Chip Roy are very sincere about this. Uh, they've both been uh, fighting for it. And I do I think most elected officials uh, or their spouses are sitting there uh, with uh, the, um, uh, sitting there trying to manipulate the system? I don't, but the reality is that uh, people have lost faith. And it's very important for the public to have faith that elected officials are acting in the best interests of the public. And democracy de depends on public trust. This is something that can be one step in restoring public trust, just like not taking PAC money is another step. And so I'm hopeful we'll get a vote on it this time. We didn't last time. And I'm going to continue to advocate for it. Fair enough. Thank you, Rose. So do you think, in your opinion here, that this is a bipartisan issue? For example, with Josh Hawley introducing his Pelosi Act. I, I do think it's a bipartisan issue. Uh, so there's also should be a bipartisan uh, push to it. I personally don't think it's helpful to be playing politics with the issue and go after a particular uh, democratically uh, a Democratic leader and call your act the Pelosi Act. I mean, if I called something the McCarthy Act or something, it would never pass. And that's why I like the Trust Act, which is uh, Spanberger and Chip Roy's uh, example of something that actually could get passed and not just scoring political points. Uh, you know, Chip Roy's in the Freedom Caucus. He and I have strong disagreements on a lot of issues. But on this, he's acting in good faith. And Abigail Spanberger is obviously acting in good faith. So let's not score rhetorical points. Let's just have something that can actually get votes. I think that's a pretty good tack there. So if we can ask as a follow-up here, what minimum changes do you think are necessary for the Stock Act, if any? Perhaps a better acronym? Well, it needs more than a, a better acronym. I mean, it doesn't go... Far enough. The Stock Act basically requires disclosure, and it's very hard to enforce. Now, I have uh, been in Congress uh, about six years, and uh, I've complied every every time, every month. You have to do disclosures, not just for yourself. I don't trade stocks, but for many uh, people in your family. And uh, my hope, it's not that hard to comply. I mean, we haven't missed one uh, deadline, but unfortunately. 
uh, many people have not complied and then they don't get fined and then no one knows uh, even who's complying and who's not complying. So I think given that this compliance has been such an issue, we can just ban uh, members of Congress from trading stocks with the Trust Act, and uh, that's probably what's needed to, to restore trust. I think the Disclose Act could have worked for if, if there was compliance, but so many people have not complied with it. So it's further important to note here, just real quick, Representative Khanna, that your wife's trust made you the most prolific trader in 2022. Most of those disclosures reveal a very large and diverse family stock portfolio with all of the trades registered under your wife or children. Um, two of those children both are under six years old. So despite the trust trading, do you believe politicians still need to have bans on trading as a whole then? Well, I appreciate uh, you raising that because there's been some confusion in how the press has reported it. One, I don't own any individual stocks and have never traded any stocks. And I do believe that there needs to be a ban uh, in uh, the Trust Act to ban congressional stock trading. Now, my wife has assets prior to marriage that are in a diversified trust, means it's a trust that basically invests in the S&P 500. It's not managed by her. It's managed by an outside financial advisor. And according to the Office of Government Ethics rule, actually 1024FB, because we've looked it up uh, since I've been filing these disclosures, qualified diversified trusts eliminate the conflicts and are an appropriate vehicle uh, to safeguard against uh, potential conflicts. And that's what the Trust Act calls for, that you have to be in a qualified trust uh, or, or you can't trade. And so I think it would be appropriate uh, for people to do that so you don't have a situation where people are, uh, are trading uh, or family members are trading uh, in a way that uh, is impacting the work someone is doing in Congress. Thank you, Rose. So last question here on the trust. Do you think members of Congress could potentially communicate with their trust, thus permeating more problems similar to what we have now? Yes, I think that's a problem. Even if you have uh, blind trust, a lot of times people uh, find ways to communicate with blind trust because they find people who know the quote-unquote trustees. But I think what you have to have is uh, cl clear laws uh, about making that illegal. Uh, for example, I don't communicate at all uh, with, my, with, with my wife's uh, uh, trust, but there's no law in Congress that says I can't. Uh, and I think having a law saying that makes that illegal would be would be good. And, and so a lot of these things, I think, with the Trust Act could be strengthened so that uh, you are banning the day trading from from members and family members. And if someone is in a diversified trust that is uh, investing in basically the S&P 500 and they have no say over it, they can do that. But they're not eroding the public confidence. Perfect. Thanks, you, Rowan. Thank you so far for your answers uh, this far into the interview. They've been pretty concise, and I really appreciate that. So before I move on to the next line of questions here, Ro, do you have anything you want to expand on on any other topics from the Trust Act to the no PACs first? No, I uh, appreciate your advocacy. I think this Trust Act could really get passed. I mean, I think there's momentum around it. I will say it's harder to get momentum around no PACs, but I hope we could get that too. 
Perfect. Thank you again for all your responses so far. So let's go ahead and move on to our next topic here, which is that of lobbying. There is an active effort currently by some senators to prevent buy-ins by employees on stock issuing companies. As an example here, one in five senior federal employees own stock in companies that are actively lobbying their federal agencies, per Elizabeth Warren. Give us an understanding here, if you can, Ro, on the situation. How do companies lobby to sitting officials and their employees and their influence there within? Well, look, the Trust Act doesn't apply to senior staff. I would say that I would apply it to senior staff, so you shouldn't have the situation where senior members of uh, the staff have, have stock and things they're regulating. But the most uh, lobbying happens uh, in a more mundane way. And you have lobbyists come. <clears throat> they're involved in the drafting of 3,000-page bills. No member of Congress is sitting there reading every line. And they get things inserted in those bills. They get poison pills inserted in those bills. They get things killed at the last moment. I've seen lobbyists kill our efforts to get rid of fossil fuel subsidies. I've seen lobbyists kill efforts to have real uh, prescription drug reform. And they work with the staff often. And it's really a awful, pernicious process. It's why I refuse to take any money from anyone who's a registered lobbyist. So that actually took the next question right out of my mouth. Uh, you mentioning that you don't take money from lobbyists. What other reasons are there that you are pretty against that? Well, I mean, uh, these lobbyists have an agenda, and their agenda isn't the public agenda. Sometimes lobbyists have a good agenda, right? A lobbyist could be a lobbyist for homelessness or for people who uh, need food stamps. Uh, not every lobbyist is uh, as sort of uh, self-interested ag agendas, but many lobbyists, uh, have an agenda for a particular company or a, uh, for private health insurance or drug companies or big oil companies <coughs> or big tech companies. Now, sometimes there's subject matter expertise. What I say is I'm happy to talk to them, to listen to their perspective, but I don't want to be taking money from them uh, in, in a, with an expectation that somehow I'm going to do their bidding. Thank you so much for that. So another example of lobbying being a pretty big benefit to members, House Republican Kevin Hearn, who sits on the committee, excuse me, the Committee on Ways and Means bought and sold FS Investments, ticker FSK stocks. That company lobbied Congress on taxation internal revenue code. Representative Hearn was up 33.2% at the time of his sales. So, Ro, a question for you here. Do you think other members in the House will support more transparency around lobbying, or is this just kind of the way how Congress operates and will continue to do so? Well, I think the more people who tune into your work uh, and other reform work, the more pressure there'll be to have transparency. I mean, look, uh, we've had a Congress for uh, almost 250 years, and it used to be even more corrupt than it periods in our history. So reform movements do uh, work, and that's why we need the Trust Act. Now would have banned uh, this member you referred to from buying and selling stocks in the first place. Uh, that's why uh, we should ban lobbyists from uh, being able to contribute to if they're going to be lobbying members. 
and we should be banning PACs. So you don't have uh, FS investments doing massive spending uh, outside the political process. And that would make a big difference if we did those three things. Thank you, Ross. So we, we have spoken a lot about lack of trust in institutions. Is there, I mean, if any way at all, is there a way to restore that trust or is that a forlorn conclusion? I, I think to restore trust, we've got to address money in politics. To me, that's the biggest source of frustration. The sense that you have popular policies and they're not passing uh, because special interests are corrupting the process. And two, you need to have uh, members of Congress uh, gain trust in terms of ethics and integrity. I believe a lot of members of Congress, I mean, this may be uh, an unpopular opinion, but I believe a lot of members of Congress come for the right reasons. Most aren't personally unethical, uh, but uh, there's an appearance of a lack of ethics, and that's why the Trust Act and others are so important. Thank you, Ro. Uh, moving on here, recently there's been a kind of a crisis of confidence in donations. And I know you, Representative Khanna, have, you know, we'll, we'll have a lot of strong feelings about this, so we'll get to them in a moment here. Now, Unusual Whales estimates that potentially $93 million had been donated by FTX, the cryptocurrency exchange, for example. Unusual Whales has a list, which we'll pin at the top here in a moment, but some politicians have yet to give back those finances, despite this lack of trust. Why is that, in your opinion, Representative? I didn't realize it was that high. Wow, $93 million. Well, I think they should give it back. Look, I got a contribution of... Uh, $2,900 from Sam Bankman-Fried, and I think it was a week before the election, and I returned it as soon as we knew the scandal. I had met him once, and, you know, on the face of it, he talked about uh, effective altruism and how he wanted to tackle climate change and seemed like a really smart guy. Obviously, it turned out to be fraudulent, uh, and I'm, I'm certainly glad he didn't give me uh, uh, more than $2,900 because I don't take PAC money, and so we re returned it right when uh, we found out. But what the real scandal is that, you know, he was giving hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars to people, and that, that should be banned in the first place. Well, I do want to say, uh, you know, on behalf of those very many folks who are affected by that whole FTX situation, uh, I do want to thank you here publicly, Roe, for giving that money back to its place of origin. Uh, as you know, many are opting not to do that. So, to end there, can you talk more broadly, Representative, about your vision for the economy and what you call a, quote, new economic patriotism? Well, I think there are two things we need to do in this country to win people's trust. First is this reform agenda. That's what you've been pushing. Get lobbyists out of there. Uh, have the trust act so members of Congress aren't trading stock. Get PAC money out. Uh, make sure that if you happen to take a contribution from someone who's corrupt that you're forced to return it. I mean, these are basic things, and I think it would go such a long way if we had some of these reforms. But beyond that, look, we've lost a lot of our middle class and working class in this country. We made a mistake by shipping so much of our manufacturing and production offshore. And so a new economic patriotism says we've got to build things in this country again, and we can with new technology. We've got to make the new semiconductors, the new battery plants, the solar plants, steel uh, in America, and do it in factory towns, do it in the Black South, do it in Latino communities. 
do it in the Midwest and, and, and rebuild this country's economy and then invest in people so they have the same chance I did, got to go to a good school, have health care, get to see a dentist, have nutrition, so they can make something of themselves and so they can afford to live in America and, and pursue the American dream. But I appreciate all of the reforms you're pushing for because I think that's a prerequisite to getting real policies that are going to help working class and middle class folks. Thank you, Rose. So last question here um, on a topic that's pretty hot in the media right now with really good reason. How would this concept of economic patriotism deal with what happened in East Palestine with Norfolk being a huge donator and political contributor in the state of Ohio? Well, look, the people in East Palestine have really had a hard shake uh, over the last 20, 30 years. Their jobs went offshore because of NAFTA, because of uh, China's ascension into the World Trade Organization. And now you see this uh, uh, train derailing uh, because they didn't follow basic safety standards, uh, because they didn't have to even uh, follow standards while carrying hazardous materials. And there was a push of deregulation over the last uh, X number of years. I don't understand how you could have a thousand derailments a year of trains, and we just think, okay, no big deal, that's the norm. I mean, imagine if you had a thousand airplane crashes a year. Uh, and so we know that there's a fix to this, and that fix, uh, Representative Deluzio and I have introduced legislation to partly fix this, to say every uh, train that is carrying a highly flammable material should have to be, uh, take safety precautions, that you shouldn't have trains that are too long and are safety risks, that you should have minimum crews on these trains. Uh, those are have been opposed by the railroad interests. They're currently being opposed at the Department of Transportation by the railroad interests, uh, and we need to stand up for basic uh, common sense safety. Thank you, Rose. So here before we wrap up, do you have anything else you want to add or expand upon that we couldn't ask or any final thoughts that you have here? Well, I do. I, I, I appreciate uh, you're having me on. I appreciate you're holding politicians uh, to account, including whether it's me or anyone. I think it's so important to have uh, voices like yours demanding reform. I would just say this. It's easy to uh, to give in to, to cynicism and uh, to think, well, uh, the, the whole place is corrupt. My experience, uh, just one person's story of someone who's a son of immigrants, parents came from India, was born in 1976, our bicentenary, grew up working class, I mean, middle class, not working class. My mom, my dad was a uh, engineer. My mom was a school teacher. We grew up middle class. And my experience is that most people who come to Congress in both parties want to do something for the country, that they're in it for the right reasons. But there has been a total uh, corruption of the process through special interests, uh, through the role of big money, uh, through uh, interests having too much power as opposed to people. Uh, but that doesn't mean we should give in to cynicism. It means that we can mobilize to help defeat those special interests and take back our democracy. And efforts like yours are helping us do that. Well, thank you so much, Representative Khanna. And I, I do want to say here really quick that we really appreciate your time here today. Um, the, the last, I think, question I have here is how, how can the average person help 
to kind of meet those means of accountability and pushing back against that money in Congress concept, given all this cynicism? Well, I think they can help by getting more co-sponsors on these bills. I mean, the Trust Act, the, uh, the, the No PAC Act, they can hold their members of Congress accountable. Look, I tell you, members of Congress may not admit it, but if there are 30 people who tweet negative things at me, I'll notice. And uh, if, you, if you send negative emails, not, or, not uh, where it's all coordinated, but if it's organic to a member of Congress, especially if they're from its district, they're going to take uh, notice. And I think we have to demand that uh, members of Congress support uh, structural reform. Ultimately, it's not also the virtue signaling about how you conduct yourself. Yeah, I don't take PAC money, but what matters more is do I support not banning PACs? It's like, yeah, it's great that I recycle, but what matters more is do I support uh, real climate change legislation? And I believe that one of the criteria for uh, Congress should be a reform agenda. Do these people stand up for basic reforms? And if they do, uh, then they can get support. And, and that has to be more uh, front and center. And, and people can do that. Citizens can do that. Folks who are listening in here can do that uh, by social media activism, by showing up in town halls, by meeting their member of Congress, by making it clear that that is a voting issue for them. Well, thank you again deeply for joining us for this space, Representative. Um, I, I really want to say that we all appreciate your time today and for not eschewing from any of the questions or kind of taking us on any tangents that, you know, more or less unrelated. So I really thank you for that and staying on task here. Um, and thank you as well for, you know, having many people tweet at you. I'm looking forward to working together on no packs in the future, Representative Kana. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate your having me on. I hope more politicians will come on your forum, and I appreciate the work you do, uh, particularly on, on no PACs and the Stock Act and a number of other issues in, uh, in basically shining a light of transparency uh, on Congress, and I'm all for that kind of transparency.